Hello and welcome to another episode of Sounds Like Comics, the podcast devoted to all things comic books in movies and TV. I'm Luke. I'm Jay, and welcome to the podcast. Today's topic, Sweet Tooth Season 1, the post-apocalyptic fairy tale series. The show stars Christian Converi as dear boy hybrid Gus and Nonzo Anozi as his reluctant guardian. This is your warning, we will be talking spoilers. Yeah, are you, uh, were you familiar with the Jeff Lemire comic series? Years and years ago, when he first came out, I can't remember if I checked out the first couple of trades or the first couple of issues, but it had definitely, it had been a long time, so I didn't remember too much other than it's a young boy with antlers. Yeah, yeah I, uh, I never read it, but uh, main, one of the main reasons being uh, Jeff Lemire, who writes it, actually does the art, which he's done on a couple of his stuff before. And comics being such a strong visual medium, it takes a lot for me to get over art I'm not a fan of. And unfortunately for Jeff Lemire's stuff, I'm not a fan of his art. It is very, very specific and stylized, which I hear from readers, it fits the tone of the things he writes, but I just couldn't get past it. But being someone who sells the comics people went nuts for it we got so many people into this series who you know saw it all the way through to the end and they always spoke really highly of it so when i saw this was coming out on netflix i'm like oh great i don't have to suffer through that art i can just get straight into the meat and potatoes well you know the comic is still going there's some recent issues that dc have put out oh really because one thing I did notice with the show is a lot of like little Jeff Lemire Easter eggs. Like uh, one of the families lives on Gideon Place, a reference to his comic Gideon Falls. Oh, uh, the, the preserve is in Essex County, which of course is another one of his series, Essex yeah, County. That's the big one. Uh, and I'm sure there's a bunch of other ones that were hidden in there that he um, they've snuck in. But yeah, I didn't realize that because... I'm pretty sure he came up with an end. They must have done just small samplers maybe to get ready for, for this. Yeah, I mean, there's, I think there's a couple more or maybe one more issue. The current books that they put out are due to finish in August. So yeah. Maybe one or two more issues. You've got to think the timing, this Netflix show, yeah. probably why he's come back to do more. So yes, you do feel the influence of Jeff Lemire in his previous work. But also, we should say, as one of the executive producers on the show, Robert Downey Jr. and his wife, Susan. Yeah, which when I noticed that in the trailer, I'm like, wait, what? Robert? Yes. What are you doing? What this is isn't a Marvel joint. <laughs> well, exactly right. Iron Man himself is exec producing a DC show. But when I looked yeah. into it, now this show is a Netflix original. When it was first going into development, it was a Hulu show. All uh, right. Yeah, because it was a Vertigo in, series with DC. That's right, where he's now, there's no Vertigo, so they just put it out as DC. Maybe it's a DC black label title. Yeah. But if it was still going to be a Hulu show, 
here in Australia, more than likely, it would be on Star, on Disney Plus. Yeah. So it would have still been Disney, but that's not how it played out. So now we've got Robert Downey Jr. exec producing a DC show around about the same time. And a lot of news outlets made a big deal out of this. Apparently on Instagram, he's unfollowed his Avenger castmates. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, not necessarily connected, but it's interesting, isn't it? He's no longer social media friends with the Avengers. And here he is. Where can we do so? Yeah, which I got to, you know, it could be something as simple as him getting off social media for a while, which a lot of people tend to do, celebrities and non-celebrities alike, if just for a cleanse, even if it's just yeah. for a month or whatever. I'm not really but, thinking they're connected. It's just fun. No, no. Yeah, it's just, like, yeah. And again, like more often than not, like a lot of celebrities don't actually manage their own social media accounts anyway. So people, I think, are just reading way too much into it but i thought it was just a bit of fun to bring it up <laughs> yeah absolutely and you know i gotta imagine he's got other uh coals in the fire as well if if he's producing this he made so much money from being iron man you know he's and he's an interested uh person himself who enjoys storytelling and movies and tv i'm, I'm sure there's probably other stuff that he's maybe been working on for a while that hasn't gotten around either because of COVID or just, you know, you can only focus on one thing at a time. And this is the sort of stuff that he's been freed of now that he completed the, essentially his Marvel work. You know, I've gone back or I'm in the process of doing a full rewatch and it's incredible. Like just what Danny Jr. does in that first Iron Man movie essentially sets the tone for the whole MCU. It's yeah. it's incredible. Like every, everything, like the feel of the MCU, it started with with Tony Stark. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and getting back to to Sweet Tooth, there is, like I said, that it's like a post-apocalyptic fairy tale, which with Will Forte as the father, Papa. In a completely serious role. I've never no. seen Will Forte like, be strictly traumatic. No, yeah, I'm, I'm the same. Yeah, and I'm a big fan of his. Like So much of his work over the years. I guess the big one, I guess to speak to in relation to this show, The Last Man on Earth. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What an incredible show. But he's not playing that character here. Like, this, no. I mean, we should say as well, like tonally, this show, I think it's probably quite removed from anything else we've talked about on the podcast. Yeah. It's... Yeah. This, uh, if I had to explain it to someone, I'm not sure exactly how I'd put it because it's full of hope, but it's also, a, there's a, a lot of the recurring thing of like, humans suck. Look at what humans have done. Yeah, Look at what humans yeah. continue to do. The timing, so like it, the timing as well. Like, I mean, you know, many years ago is when, you know, pre-COVID, that's when the comic first came out. But the show yeah. now, it, it feels like some of the things you're watching in this show, post-apocalyptic fairy tale world, you look out the window, you turn on the news. We're seeing some of it today. It's quite, it's quite scary. And that's what I mean yeah. like, tonally. There's some 
there's a lot of jarring things in here. I showed the ad to my wife. I thought, oh, maybe this is a show we could get into together. And as soon as she saw the baby hybrids, she's like, I can't do it. Yeah. I can't do it. And you get that in, in the first episode. You see yeah. The baby hybrids. And it is like quite difficult to, to look at. But then episode two, you're showing something else. It's not until later on that the babies start to come back and then you'll spend time with other kids, not quite as old as Gus, but other kids that are no longer babies. But yeah, it's, you know, you've got people walking around in masks and you know, giving areas deep cleans. And, you know, and yeah. the picture is coming in, you're like, oh, wow. Yeah, the fact that it's also a worldwide pandemic of something that has like flu-like symptoms. I'm like, whoa, it's very timely. <laughs> Isn't it? Very, very timely indeed. So the show was created by Jim Mickle. He's not somebody I was familiar with at all. I looked up his credits. He's done a handful of movies, but on TV, he co-develops the Sundance TV series, Hap and Leonard. It's a show that's on Netflix. And of course... Okay. Sweet Tooth is his current show. Director of photography Dave Garbert and Mickle were heavily influenced by the Steven Spielberg films E.T. and Jurassic Park. So a lot of the aesthetics and some of the visual cues we're getting in the show are very reminiscent of those movies. I mean, yeah, you, I definitely get the uh, E.T. vibe. I with... was just going to say, Bobby. <laughs> yeah. Little Bobby. The first time we see Bobby, because obviously we'd spent time with Gus. Yeah. Okay. So essentially, and the babies, Gus, humanoid. Maybe they've got antlers. Maybe they've got a snout. You know, there's going to be an, like an aspect of an animal about them. And then yeah. you get Bobby. And I'm watching it. I'm like, what is Bobby? That's almost <laughs> like it's, it is an animal but it's got some human characteristics, almost like the reverse of what most of the hybrids are. Yeah, and very much a puppet as well, Like, which I, I, I love puppets. I don't know why people keep trying to go, like, oh, we'll just do it digital, like a thing on a stick that people react to. I'm like, no, do the puppet. Like, you can touch up the puppet with CGI, which they do here, but I much prefer the puppet. Oh, me too. Maybe Yoda. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean... Yoda, probably more so Bobby, I will say, always looks like a puppet. But I'm like, yep. you know, I like puppets. I'm glad yeah. that this is the way that they've gone. I mean, Bobby is an animatronic puppet, had to be carefully controlled by multiple puppeteers and a harness system. There's quite a lot of people making Bobby do the things that they wanted him to do. But again, I don't know what Bobby is. Because other think, hybrids yeah, don't I think look he's like supposed, Bobby. Yeah, I think he's supposed... He's definitely a burrowing creature because he digs a bunch of holes for Amy. Yeah, no, I, I get that, but I just mean, like, all the other hybrids, you can see that they're humanoid. Yeah, but he is, like, the most... I mean, even when the military guys rock up the, the last men, they're like, what is that thing? <laughs> even they're, like, shocked. Yeah, well, exactly. Oh, and Bobby gets captured. Yeah. Very sad. Yeah, the old cargo net. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. Like, yeah, it was quite weighted as well. Like, really knocked poor Bobby over. Yeah. yeah. What is that? Oh, it's a small net. <laughs> <laughs> but I was, so I was looking into it. I was curious. Like, how, 
how have they done this? Because it with Gus, we're not just talking we're not just talking antlers, because his ears were always moving. Yeah. But what yeah. they what they did visually, because he's got good hearing, they always made a point that before loud noises or before sounds and action, his ears move before yeah. anybody else realizes what's going on. And that's something that they really wanted to sell. So yeah, and it works as well because he's you know it's his ears aren't just like little prosthetics on the actor's ears either. I mean they're they're way at the top of the head where an actual deer's ears are, and his hair completely obscures what would be his normal human ears. So it's done really well. You know, I mean you know like you said, it's not it's not just they've done a lot to dress this up, and they do that with the other hybrids, but we spend the most time with Gus we and do. they've probably done the most amount of work with his prosthetics, which have Put looked great. Way. His ears have their own puppeteer. <laughs> that makes sense. His name is Grant Lehman. He's the guy in charge of Gus's ears. So again, like initially seeing some quick promos and seeing the posters, I was thinking, okay, so the, the visual thing here is going to be the antlers. But it was yeah. his ears. I just couldn't take yeah. my eyes off his ears. And just staying on that, the visual effects, like with the babies, I was like, how, like, how have they achieved that? To transform the young actors into baby hybrids, hair and makeup designer Stefan Knight and a team crafted very small, delicate prosthetics that focused on key physical elements that defined each individual animal. So they just got babies. And, and put makeup, uh, plastic, and hair on them. <laughs> yeah, that's how they did it. Yeah, yeah, old school. Yeah, but it works. It thought, definitely does work. Yeah, because if you made that digital, I mean, trying to match skin tone and uh, like semi-translucency and lighting and all that sort of stuff, you I can pick that up ridiculously quickly. And to have to do that with so many like people and so many shots, you know, it's expensive as well. It's way more expensive than just sticking a prosthetic to a person. We should say as well, as of no surprise, that they were heavily influenced by Jim Henson when making yeah. this movie. But I wasn't prepared for that because, again, I remembered the comic enough and remembered Gus. But, yeah, we do, really do get a lot more hybrids in, in the show. <laughs> I'm glad they went the way they did with the use of puppets and prosthetics, especially on TV and the type of show that they're putting together. It works well. Yeah. Uh, and they use some visual gags as well. Like he has, you know, all, all of his senses are height, not just his ears. He can smell things really well. He has good vision, but he has night vision. So when the, he's in the dark or they turn off the lights, you can see the, the eyes glow like you would on a cat. And people are always like reacting like, Oh man, that's freaky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it's and it looks looks phenomenal. I gotta imagine there's some uh like digital dots and like black lights and stuff to track the pupil movements and stuff to match the actual shots, the actual shots of the actor. So we've touched on Gus quite a lot already. We should probably talk about Christian Converi, who actually plays Gus. So this is a ten year old, half human, half deer boy who wants to find his mother and we're following him on this journey. 
this actor, I'm not too familiar with him, if I'm honest, outside of this show, but he plays it really well. Like, I guess because I don't yeah. know him from anybody else. Like for me, he's Gus. That's, yeah, yeah, that's, same. That's all the gnome has. Yeah, and he's got so much. Uh, he he sells the empathy so well. You know, like the characters around him, you want him to be safe and be right. Um, you buy his his idealism and his like uh, innocence. Like he wanders off and he doesn't pay attention. And certain little uh, things because he's just grown up with a father, like. Things like oh, you, and just helping yourself to what foods around is completely normal. <laughs> so hey, free sample. I'll eat all of those. <laughs> yeah, it's just he's he does an amazing job. Um, I'll be curious to see if he gets uh, cast in anything else. Uh, it's a, in a different role as well to see what kind of acting range he has. But he is he's doing all the heavy lifting for this show. It's kind of like living and dying on his performance. Oh, I mean, definitely. Yeah. If, if he can't sell it, the show doesn't work. Yeah. So yeah. yeah so and he's really uh, definitely he up to the task. A lot of credit there. And we should talk about Jep, the big man played by Nonso Anozi. Yeah. Also really great. I mean, the big, the, the big man thing as well. Like he's a big dude. He really I mean, is. I know. Yeah. When, when Christian see... Convery's like a kid, but this guy, Nonzo's huge. He's big anyway, but I thought it was yeah. really cool. Like, cause I knew the character from the ads. So the, at the beginning of the show, before we meet him in the post-apocalyptic world, we see him on the football field. Yeah. Yeah. And you he see really him on the TV. As a player. Yeah. But it's really cool. Like, cause I recognize him from the ads. Like, oh, wow. There he is. Like they've got a guy that you know, he takes a beating at times you know, he's playing football, and you completely buy that actor in that role. I mean, I don't know if he is, but it wouldn't surprise me if you found out that he was an athlete. Yeah, yeah, like absolutely. That. Yeah. Um, and when he comes up against his mate on the train, Jimmy, <laughs> yeah. again, you're like, oh, yeah, that guy, these two guys, absolutely football players. <laughs> yeah, but then there's, um, there's quite a bit on concussion, isn't there? Like, you know, there is, yeah. of the game, like his mate, yeah, he's not doing too well. Yeah, and I've, you know, I've, I've, uh, I've listened to podcasts about concussions and listen and uh, seen the the film concussion with Will Smith, and like they don't pull punches on this show. Like they're like even even Jep is reacting to his mate Jimmy of like, man, his personality. He doesn't re- quite remember that like when here now and football was a long time ago he seems to be like confused of what time period is in which yeah like it's it's subtle but it does do a lot to give that character who's in a single episode so much like personality yeah true yeah you get a lot of mileage out of little screen time really from that one episode and yeah. then he stands up for his friend and gus and yeah no it was yeah it, it was a good character didn't stick around too long yeah, that's a good point. Uh, and then the other probably next major character is Bear, who joins the other two on this journey to Colorado, uh, played by Stefania Lavie Owen. She's a... Yeah, there's a very strong Lord of the Flies character trait with her when we're first introduced. It's oh, like definitely. a thing with her in a little army. <laughs> 
her and Tiger and all the other animals. I mean, yeah. she's, she's wearing a skull on her head when we first yeah. first meet her. And yeah, no, I really like her as a character. And I didn't feel as though there was something missing when it was just Gus and the big man. But when they became a trio, it felt, oh, it felt like something clicked. So, okay, this is a good, a good dynamic because you then had characters like the big man, for example, he could have certain conversations with her and share certain information that he wouldn't have had with Gus because he's trying to protect him. So you've got these yeah. different sides of his character, of Bear's character. So when they came together as a trio, I really liked that. Yeah, and throughout the show, you're getting more and more layers peeled back of the two of them uh, as they kind of like antagonize each other to the point of like like mutual respect. Yeah, and yeah. You know, both of them are like, you got to protect this kid. He's just too, he's just too like optimistic. When was the last time anyone was like hopeful? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we mentioned the episode with the train already with, uh, with the big man's mate, but before he gets on the train and apparently that was a homage to Indiana Jones where he's running after the train and then he kind of jumps, but you don't see him again. So the idea, oh, has he not made it? I mean, we kind of knew he did, but it was still yeah. a fun scene to play out, but just for, from Bear's perspective, she kind of just didn't want him to make it. So at that yeah. time, yeah, they're just butting heads. And yeah, I really liked the dynamic of, of all three. You've got three completely different characters. And then the only thing that's in common is helping Gus. Yeah. It's a really yeah. nice dynamic. And then yeah. as well as spending time with them, we keep cutting away to this, um, it's almost like a gated community. You know, whereas if somebody is infected, burn the house, move on. And you've got the doctor and his wife. Now, the doctor, uh, played by Adil Akhtar, I know him from like heaps of UK shows. Like, there was a sitcom Same. that he did years ago called Trollid. Here in Australia, it's available on Stan. And it's fantastic. So I know yeah. him from things like that. He's done a movie called Convenience. Yeah, I do, I do like him. But he's usually playing a funny, quirky character. Not in this. Like, and he no. plays it so well. Like you feel this guy's pain. And then you know, it gets to the point as the, as the season comes to a close where he's starting to do things that he, he's not comfortable with at all. He's sparing Gus, at least for now. But he's yeah. about to experiment on a hybrid. Oh, awful yeah. stuff. But his character, yeah. like, trying to protect his wife. Yeah, and his wife seems to be a little dark, always willing to push him further than he wants to go. Like, I which I imagine in their married life before that, yeah. it was quite advantageous, but it's super self-serving now. Yes. I mean, to the point where, you're like, she's dying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and she's all... She's, and, and she's like, what, like patient, do they call her patient zero or test zero? Jane Doe. Yeah, Jane Doe. So where she's been experimented on more than anyone else, like for some reason, she's still alive and they don't quite know why. So she's been living on borrowed time for like a long time and now her husband's in a position to maybe help her and like you say, very self-serving and she's wanting him to do things that he's not necessarily comfortable with. Yeah, I mean, this show is dark. Like, we're talking yeah. about experimenting on babies. Like, yeah, awful. Like, it really, it really is. It's, you know, there's, there's a lot of darkness. And again, like I've said a couple of times, this show is so far removed tonally 
from anything that we've covered. I mean, what have we done recently on the podcast? We've done G.I. Joe. Yep. <laughs> I mean, this is so far removed from G.I. Joe. So, you know, we'll, you know we'll, the next one we're going to do together, the Team Story directed Fantastic Four film. Yeah, which, yeah, well, again, totally can't and, be yeah. further away from this. It's, it's a very different thing. So this, you know, it, yeah. It, but it's a show that I'm glad that we are covering. And if I'm honest, right, I'd put this show off. And if not for the doing it for the podcast, I can honestly say I still would not have watched it. And a couple of episodes in, I quickly realized that, that was a mistake. This is definitely a show worth watching, but there was just something about it. And, and like my wife, it's probably the babies. I thought, I don't know. I don't know if I can do this, but the show ends up being a lot more than that. You know, we talk good guys. Let's talk bad guys. And I didn't look at the cast, if I'm honest, outside of knowing Will Forte was going to be in it. And when we first introduced to General Abbott, I could yeah. have sworn it was J.K. Simmons, honestly, yeah, yeah. like with a big beard yeah. and the eyes. And for, and for the longest time, we'd see him, not hear him, but without looking at any credits. And as soon as that character spoke, oh, yeah, clearly not Simmons. And I looked up afterwards, but it's got such a J.K. Simmons look about him. Like I recently watched The Tomorrow War, the yeah. Chris Pratt movie on Amazon Prime. That's yeah. pretty much what J.K. Simmons looks like in that movie. He looks like the general. Yeah, and it's it feels like the kind of role that you'd offer to J.K. Simmons as well. Yeah, no, like definitely. <laughs> yeah, oh, they've clearly said, hey, get me a J.K. Simmons type. We've got this guy, yeah. shaved head and a big beard. <laughs> yeah. put some glasses uh, on him. <laughs> yeah, epic beard as well. Oh, um, mate, really he is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just contributing to the beard, a big, thick mustache. Yeah. Yeah. Very impressive. Uh, and he's uh he's kind of kooky. There's a there's a kookiness about the way he um the, the kind of casual nature of which he, he saddles up to people to intimidate them. But the intimidation passed on really well. Uh but yeah, he's got a very, very specific look. Um but he does such a great job. He's one of those villains that he doesn't yell or anything, but his presence alone and the even the quiet talking kind of makes you more afraid of him. I mean, the actors around him do a good job of reacting to that. Like he's got uh, Johnny who like is like the, the guy with the glasses who eats uh, Dr. Singh's pop tarts. Uh, yes. He clearly seems broken. I'm like, you've been in serving this guy too long. Like this, what has this guy done to you? Mm. Which as you get through the, towards that last episode, you're like, I see. I see what you've you've been involved in a lot of these. Now I know why you're so kind of a shell of a person. Yeah. I mean that's it. Like a lot of characters, and you know, and Jep did it for a long time as well. Yeah, you kind of like just following the wrong people, doing the wrong things, self-serving again, survival. Yeah, and there's a lot of that yeah, and, going on. Yeah, and he, you know, at least with the, this villain. And all of these people who have this, exactly the last of us type of, we did what we had to survive in that post-apocalyptic world, but they're all justified. You're like, I don't need to think what they did was right. I can completely understand how they got to where they are and yeah. what their motivations are. I can feel how they could have fallen into this mindset. Um, 
yeah, which is something else I appreciate for the show. No one's just a, a mustache twirling villain. It's no, no, no. Like, although you, you're stuck with the the world they're in. Yeah. Like, this is the sort of stuff people are going to do. I mean, I was going to say General Abbott has certainly got the tash for it if he was going to yeah. do a bit of <laughs> mustache twirling. We should probably say as well, like, to, to credit this, we've not even talked about the actor, like, gave him his name. Neil yeah. Sanderlands. All we've done is said, it's not J.K. Simmons. Yeah. <laughs> but this is all the guys. Neil Sanderlands. And yes, he does a great, a great job because it's not so much until later episodes that we really get to spend some time with him. So I think they did a really good job for the most part holding him back until you really need to see him and get an idea who, who he is really. Yeah. But up until that point, they were just laying the groundwork like these are the heroes of the show. And then yeah. you get your big bad. And it works on on both fronts. There's a couple of other characters we should talk about. You've got Nelady Murray as Wendy. She's Amy's adopted hybrid daughter. Yeah, who's phenomenal. Uh like a pig hybrid. Yes. Um and this and like Gus, it's like subtle makeup, but it sells it completely. And it's it really does. It's, it's yeah. subtle enough that she, you know, the actress can just emote through there. And you uh and she has amazing chemistry with Amy, played by Dania Ramirez. Right. Her mother. Every time yeah. I every time I see her, I always think X-Men Last Stand. Ah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. She uh which I can't even remember the name, it's the, the leader of the Morlocks. Uh That's but right. yeah. Yeah, and she was in like the latest, some of the, the mid seasons of heroes as well. She oh, had the, okay. her eyes would turn black and she'd like infect people with ah, by yes. touch. That is her. Like a yeah. plague. Yeah. Yeah. She's been in a lot of stuff I've watched um, on TV of, and film. A lot of drama TV. Yeah. Yeah. But she has so much emotion in her eyes. But the two of them, uh, they have a great relationship and she is, you, you completely buy it as well. Like I can see this mother daughter relationship of like, I've, I've, this daughter, this little girl that I've had to raise has dragged me like in, back into the world, into a having a purpose. Yeah, I think it's 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 the way. I mean, we're talking about a eight episode season, and some of them yeah. are like forty forty two minutes. So it's not like yeah. sixty minutes per episode, and so really you spend such. It's a short period of time, really, but the way that it's cut together and the way they interweave flashbacks what's going on now and it's not like a straightforward flashback then we're in the present it kind of weaves in and out and they do it in a particular way and yeah. it feels like well doing it that way it's like you're spending so much more time with them than you actually do and it yeah, goes a long um, way to sell those relationships yeah and thank god we have a narrator as well to to frame all these storytelling devices which <laughs> people to get you know they get james brolin and yeah. his voice is that's kind of folksy and warm it really it's really the glue on the on the edges yeah. of all these so, different pieces so distinctive I'd, I'd say yeah he's like his voice the narration it's just as integral to the animal prosthetics the post-apocalyptic visuals it, all things complement each other to make it this fully realized world. But yeah, his voice is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Cause 
Yeah, when I was checking the IMDb, writing my notes, I'm like, James Brolin? Really? <laughs> yeah. No, that's a massive, massive get. That's incredible. Isn't it? Yeah, but it really, yeah. it goes such a long way, again, for like just setting the tone. Like one of the first things, well, the first thing you hear, like first episode, it's yeah. James Brolin. Yeah, as he sets up the the world that the story is going to take place in. Um, and the scenery as well, the, the, the shots, the cinematography on this show. I mean, the American, like, Midwest, uh, you know, where Yellowstone National Park is where we spend the first yeah. kind of two episodes. I'm pretty, and, but all that countryside's amazing. It's so beautiful. I'm pretty sure I read that this was shot on location in New Zealand. Really? That would explain why the hills and that are so amazing. But also, I just who... bought it as the US. Oh, yeah. He definitely feels like the, the US. He's got like a Western feel to it. Yeah. Who was the actor I'm thinking of? Like, okay, I've not checked this at all. In the final episode, correct me if I'm wrong, he's Reese Darby. Reese Darby is totally in it, yeah. Isn't he's he? one of the, the guys <laughs> in the yellow costume, in the yes, uh, hazmat is. suit. Yeah, the costume. Hazmat. <laughs> <laughs> It is him, isn't it? Yeah. Because he's so, which, such a distinctive voice. But honestly, I've not read that online anywhere. I just got to that final episode. And then as soon as you took the mask off him, you're like, oh my God, that's Reese Darby. And then I didn't even, saying, yeah, I didn't even need that. I could just tell from his eyes. And he's <laughs> like, what are you doing? I'm like, that's Reese Darby. <laughs> and remember what I just said about that you got it, um, it was shot on location in New Zealand? Yeah. That tracks. Yeah, yeah absolutely. 100%. I think that's confirmed then. It definitely was shot in New Zealand. And he was just hanging yeah. about the place. Yeah. And I guess, you know, New Zealand handled COVID so well. It makes sense of one of the few places you could do location shooting of this kind. You yeah. know, something so sprawling and moving across country. But yeah, it's um, a beautiful looking TV show. Everything's so well shot. Um, the Jurassic Park style shooting, as you're saying, like the inspiration from Spielberg, all the stuff in the preserve struck me as that every time they did the yeah. panning shot as they stepped into like that main that main area where they're living like yeah it's really, very really well done very cinematic this is a show that more people need to watch yeah 100 people are and again like if not for the pod i'd have been guilty of not watching it also but it definitely does need to be seen by by many one more actor actually we should probably talk about birdie yeah, yeah, that's the whole reason yeah. for Gus traveling in the first place because he wants to be reunited with with his mum, and he's got this photo from his dad, and it's about yeah, just reuniting with his mum, and then you find you find out that he was the first hybrid, and it's something that she was working on in the lab. Yeah, and you even get like well, how, where his name comes from. Gus stands for genetic unit series. There you go. <laughs> like, but yeah, she yeah she uh, you get the the story of uh, Will Forte, Papa, and Birdie meeting in episode seven, uh, interspersed you know back and forth flashbacks of them and now, and yeah, she, like there's it's a very strong leaning of whatever it was out of pure experimentation that created Gus and expecting expectantly the rest of the hybrids is this as the other side of a coin of maybe the same virus base yep. creating the virus 
that has made everyone sick. Uh, the G H nine G nine virus. Yeah, so yeah, all, um, all that that's a huge reveal. It all comes all so quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it does. But again, like talking about how they structure the story and the showing their their first day, and then yeah. cutting to what's happening in the lab with the military, and you find out that Bubba or Will Forte's character, he not achieved what he wanted to in life. He was working a menial job as a janitor, so he thought of himself as being a nobody, like he's not achieved anything. And that's when it was seen that he's the perfect person to take and look after Gus because nobody would be looking for him. That really, I liked that. But then, yes, a birdie, she was in the episode, Gus had been looking for her, unsuccessfully, finds out the truth about himself, cut to the end of the finale, there's Birdie. Communicating yeah, in the Arctic. <laughs> with Bear. And you're like, oh, she's still out there. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, it's so it all comes together so well. Um, which please, Netflix, give us season two. I, I oh, need to know. Don't to. yeah, yeah. Cause you know, last time we watched one of these recently, oh. uh, we found out a cancellation like days later. <laughs> like, I need legacy. season two. Honestly, and I, I picked up the first issue of the new miniseries, Jupiter's Legacy Requiem. And it came out, obviously they'd printed the book and it was ready to go, but when the issue actually got released, it was after the cancellation news. And inside, Mark Miller is talking about how Jupiter's Legacy is currently the most watched show on Netflix and talking about the big <laughs> numbers and the timing couldn't have been worse, but yeah cancelled so disappointed about Duke's yeah. legacy i mean we're getting i mean now they're treating the miller world brand as like an anthology series so we're going to get super crooks next so maybe there's hope for jupiter's legacy down the line but you're right the last time we talked about a netflix show we got cancelled so i am hoping beyond hope that this is not going to be another jupiter's legacy i definitely do want to see more of this i mean time of recording or date of recording it's the 12th of july the yep. first season was released on june 4th there's been no yep. word of cancellation yet fingers crossed yeah because yeah, i love this i i truth be told smashed this all out in a day oh, it was wow. that good <laughs> i got up early got myself a cup of tea and just grabbed my notebook and just it was that easy to watch and i was compared i i what's next what's that where oh where's that going um oh, wow. it's like and so i my nephew's gonna watch it he was gonna watch it with me but uh couldn't mind that up so it's, it's definitely something i think teenagers will get into uh it being a younger protagonist helps yes on that front but the the kind of strange mix of post-apocalyptic but hope but fairy tale like there like you said there's there's nothing quite like it yeah, and that's it's true. It's got a, it's got it's, a really it works good balance. so well. Like I would, I would never have thought that this show would work this well. Because, like yourself, I just kept putting it off. I'm like, oh, yeah, I saw yeah. that it dropped. I'll, I'll get around to it. I'll get around to it. And uh, yeah, this is what gave me the impetus to to smash it out. I mean, as I said, like I watched it because I kind of had to. Had to talk about yeah. the show you've not seen. And I'm yeah. so glad that we said we'd do it for the podcast because 
I mean, it sounds like we're pretty much rating it already because I'm so glad I watched it to be able to to see it and talk about it. But if you're going to rate it out of five, what would you give it? You know, this is so strong. Um, I'd probably give it a, a good four out of five. Um, for me, this has a kind of the quality of a Stranger Things season two. Um, probably the same age demographic. You'd be hoping to to shoot a similar audience with the kind of the darker themes they sprinkle throughout the series. Um, but it's that kind of quality as well. The quality of the production, the quality of the acting, the everything they sell, you buy completely. Um, you buy the lived-in world, you buy everyone's motivations. And, you know, they really do take you on this journey and you, you want to see more. I want to see more. I need a season two. I need my closure. <laughs> because where they ended it was just like, don't, don't leave me like this. I, I want to know. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm the same as you. I, I definitely want the show to continue. And just like you, I'm going to come in at a full out of five. Also, I was pleasantly surprised by the show. And it's, again, it's quite confronting at times, sometimes hard to watch. But on the whole, it really does, it's a show full of hope. And you get that through Gus and he inspires people around him with Jep and Bear. It's, it's a great show and all of it, you know, all of it, like the, the scenery, you've got the, the narration, the visuals, the use of puppets. It's a really well put together show. And hopefully there's news on at least another season they're able to continue this story i mean just the way that it's put together it's clearly been handled with care you know it's it's just yeah it's it is a recommend for sure yeah yeah absolutely um because i know that if i get one nephew into it the other two will follow and i'm going to start shoveling this down three people's throats like you gotta watch this show yeah me too (laughs) i mean obviously i don't want people to listen to this if they've not seen the show but yeah. yes, I definitely want to, I'm going to recommend the show to people. It is, yeah, it's, it's worth watching. I, I think there's a lot more to it than people realize. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Well, that's it for our episode all about Sweet Tooth Season 1. If you want to contact us about this episode or request a topic for an upcoming show, you can find us on Facebook as Sounds Like Comics Podcast. You've been listening to Luke and Jay, the guys from Sounds Like Comics. See you soon.